music to end. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Life in the Sun. And welcome to those that are joining us online. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun. And today we are continuing our series titled Future Hope. And it is rooted and grounded in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we're making our way into chapter 3 this morning. And the... The first thing I want to bring up is um, obviously, you know, we see the, the theme all through our, our prayer time, our worship this morning, and one word begins to stand out. It's foundation. And we need a good, solid foundation. Why? Because we saw another word come out in our, in our time this morning, trials, tribulations, suffering, right? So we know uh, that as a building is being built, it needs a firm foundation. And Jesus brought this up in Matthew chapter 7, right? That we would have storms in our life. And, you know, again, many of us might feel like this guy standing there in front of these massive waves. And that's what, they, what we might feel like from time to time. But today we're going to be talking about how we can stand firm with the view of Christ's coming. Because we know Jesus said that he is going to come back and he's going to put everything right. But how do we, how do we live in the midst of the, that distance between then and now? We're going to cover that today. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word as a firm foundation, Father, based in your Son, Jesus Christ, that through this foundation we have in you, Lord, that we can stand firm against anything and everything this world, the enemy, can throw at us, Father. That we are, just as the song that we sang this morning, Father, we find security under your great wings. And Father, we just pray that today the word goes out with strength and with power, and that those that are within earshot Receive it, Lord God, with faith and sincerity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, yes, chapter 7 of Matthew. This is where, you know, Jesus is talking about the, uh, you know, building our house upon the sand or uh, building it upon the, the foundation of himself. And, you know, I'm reminded again back in Korea, you know, I keep coming up with these Korea stories, but... You know, I think I do because there was a, uh, you know, Korea for me was a watershed moment. Not that Korea itself had anything to do with it, but it was just where God was dealing with me. And I had a lot of, lot of moments where there was an awakening in me and I could begin to see things that I couldn't see before. Amen. And one of those things was uh, they were building these dorms across the, the street from, from where I was staying in the dorm. So uh, the only thing that, that, struck, that, I, that I struggled with, really, was the fact that there was some suffering involved with this building, right? So uh, for those in the military, they kind of, you, you know that you have night shift, right? And then you have to sleep during the daytime. And what is, what is it we like the most whenever we're sleeping? Peace and quiet, right? But not for me. This involved a lot of suffering because across the street, when they were building these dorms, they were putting these huge pylons in. And they were like 12 feet in diameter, about 200 feet tall. 
and were, they were driving them into the ground. And there was probably about, I don't know, 20 or 30 of these per building, and they were building three dorms. And so every day when I, on night shift, I would be sleeping to the lullaby of boom, 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 right? And they were driving these huge pylons into the ground. Well, the reason they needed to do that was because in Korea where this base is built, it's kind of built on a swampland, right? So we can kind of look at that as Matthew chapter seven, building your house on the sand, right? We need some kind of foundation. So they had to drive these pylons in that went deep so that when they built the dorm, it wouldn't sink into the ground over time. It had something firm to stand on. And last week, uh, Armin left off with the last verse of chapter two, which simply said, for you and uh, for you are our glory and joy. So I want to tie in this, this idea and this attitude that um, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trials, in these storms that you see behind me, that we can have joy and that we can have the, the glory brought to God in the midst of everything. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our first set of scriptures. And we're out of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. So it starts out here in verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it best to be left behind alone at Athens. Remember, Paul was still uh, in Athens, but he was deeply concerned for those that he had shared the gospel with in Thessalonica. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you for the benefit of your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. Again, Matthew 7, it, 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 we're again being reminded that God is saying, brace yourself. There's going to be trials. There's going to be suffering. But how oftentimes uh, have we kind of thought the opposite, right? We kind of thought, you know, if I come to Christ, then all my problems are going to go away. Everything's going to be perfect. But how many of us in, in here can raise our hands and say, that was not the case? <laughs> Amen? Right? And in fact, the trials seem to get worse, Right? But what I want to propose today is that sometimes it's really just a false expectation that we have on ourselves. And sometimes we're guilty of it ourselves in trying to bring people to Christ with that mentality like, oh, everything is going to be much, much better for you if you come to Christ. But see, what we, don't, what we fail to remind them is exactly what Paul is mentioning here and what Jesus mentioned is that storms will come. Why? Because Jesus said, I am not of this world. Right? And this world does not understand him. That's why Jesus says, the peace that I give passes all understanding. Why? Because it's a peace that the world does not know. And also here where Paul says that he doesn't want us disturbed by it, you can also look at it as he doesn't want us deceived by our suffering. So if we're going through something in our life, sometimes the temptation might be, God doesn't love me anymore. God's forgotten about me. God is punishing me. 
Like, but here Paul is saying, do not be disturbed by the things that are going on in your life. Not just because he cares for you, but as we already see, because we become God's glory and joy. Why? Because in the midst of this, he's offering joy. He's offering peace. He's offering not just that you feel better in the midst of your, your suffering. He's calling you to look at it in a different way. That suffering, indeed, does bring joy and peace. And continuing on in verse 4, it says, For even when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it happened. As you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I also sent to find out about your faith, and here's Paul, this is his heart, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, that our labor would be for nothing. What does he mean there? He means that he doesn't want you to fall to this deception that suffering means something bad for you. In fact, the suffering that we experience is simply because we do follow Christ. These things are going to take on a different meaning. They're gonna, the context is going to change. You see, we got to start at the very beginning. we got to go to our foundation. What is our foundation? It's Jesus Christ and knowing him. See, when we first experience God's grace through Christ, we experience his mercy and we become humble. Right? We become humble, even in the midst of these great trials. And in the midst of it, we become amazed and we give back to God our thankfulness and our gratefulness. And sometimes even to the point where we would even be amazed that God would want to even pay attention to us. You know, I remember my own sense of wonder, you know, when I came back to Christ after nine years of walking away, being deceived by the world, being deceived by these other voices, right? And when I expected God to hammer me, he welcomed me with open arms. His grace and mercy is what called me to my knees. It's what allowed me to humble myself before him because I saw just how amazing God was. And we also may become aware, obviously, that some of our friends, family, coworkers, and even the world is going to be against the way that we view God. They're not going to look at God the same way that we do. And as a result, we could be persecuted, right, for our beliefs and, and suffer for our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, there's so many things going on in the world today, especially in the, uh, you know, when we talk about the, the views of the world, you know, pushing abortion and, and same-sex marriage and all this stuff. We can easily become agitated, right? We can become disturbed with these things. But God here is saying, do not become disturbed with these things. Know your foundation. Know the purpose of why I came. I came to turn people away from darkness and to turn towards me, turn towards the light. Because why? Because in that, the gospel is, uh, it, it, it works. It, it, it happens. Because it happens in the, in the person's heart that's receiving the word of the, of the gospel. That's what changes them. You know, I'm not saying to, to not put the word out there and, and stand against these things and speak the truth. No, do it. 
but do it with the understanding that God is the one that changes people through the gospel, through the reception of his holy word. It goes into their heart and it changes them from the inside out. No amount of arguing is going to turn people away from their sin. Only Jesus, through the engrafted word is what it says. Engrafted means it's written upon your heart. Will change the way people think. And as a result, again, we're going to suffer that persecution. People aren't going to like what we have to say. But that's okay. And this is also why maturity in Christ is so precious to God. We must continue on in our faith and trust in God. For our glory and our joy truly begins to shift away from the things of the world, the things that we used to hold dear. And it turns to God. It turns to us following him and and making his heart things our heart things. And we also see, as Paul mentions through these scriptures, that we turn to those that are around us that we're, we're being an example to and we actually begin to have a heart for them to grow. It's less about us, more about him, and then that goes out to the world around us, to the people that we are discipling, the people that we're ministering to, the people that are in our circles, even at work and at home, our family, our friends. They begin to see something different in each one of us. You see, because pursuing a relationship with God, it's a lifelong process. Things don't happen overnight, right? Just like plants, you got to dig. You got to plant the seed. You got to water. You know, if you ran out there the next day expecting to find that big juicy cucumber, you know, it ain't going to be there, right? So what, is it, what, what are we doing? We're waiting. We're waiting for the, for the growth. We're waiting for the fruit. We're waiting for the return of Christ. Last week, Armin did a great job in teaching us how we should wait. But here today, we're wait, you know, this waiting could feel like suffering. Because in the midst of it, we're going through all these things, right? We see all these things that just aren't right. But God is saying, focus on me. Keep your hope on me. Keep your, your, your mindset on me. Build this foundation. You see, pursuing a relationship with God is not just lifelong, but we have to understand it's not going to make us rich, it's not going to make us powerful, and it's not going to make us famous. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. But what did God promise us? He promised us that we would be rich in faith, good works, and the kingdom of God. That's what he promised. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of, of his inheritance in the saints. God's got something much better, much deeper, much wider, much more precious, much more expensive than anything this world could ever offer us. You see, this hope changes how we see suffering. We joyfully suffer him for him because we know him. When you know somebody loves you, it makes all the difference in the world. For it is better, God said, if it is his will to suffer for doing what is good 
rather than for doing what is evil. We pursue him because he first pursued us. We continue seeking him. We continue allowing him to be our foundation. Everything else that we pursue, it will actually rob us and more importantly others of the only meaningful gift we could ever receive in this life, which is Jesus in us. The mystery, the hope, the hope of glory. It's a seed of hope that God puts in us. So continuing on, chapter three, now picking up in verse six. Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us as we also long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we are comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. As a way of reminder, genuine faith brings comfort in affliction. The storms around us do not affect the peace that we have inside from knowing and experiencing Jesus on a daily basis. This is why this relationship with him is so crucial, so, so important. It must be yours, not your neighbors, not your families, not your friends, not your parents, yours. When that relationship is established in your heart and you have that connection with God, that's, it's not just making it real, it is real. And he speaks to us in only ways that he can speak to us. We hear him because we know his voice. We are his sheep. And his word says that when he speaks, we hear his voice and we follow him. You see, in the peace of God, this is what surpasses all understanding, all comprehension. It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. Genuine faith also brings genuine concern and desire to be with others in fellowship. We want to help them grow. And we also want to be in fellowship with others because we want to grow. It's no longer about religion, right? We don't do it just because somebody told us to. We find that we have to go to the well to drink if we're thirsty. I don't have to listen to somebody saying, you better drink when you get thirsty. Yeah, you'd look at them and you're like, yeah. You know, so don't look at this as, as religion because religion will fail us. But the Spirit is what brings life. Pulling ourselves up by our own will only leave us unhappy, defeated, and broken. But when we, when we surrender completely to Jesus, He lifts us up, building our faith, good works, and knowledge in Him, and bringing joy, peace to, uh, to us, and honor, worship, and praise to God. It's the full picture. You see, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Church, don't look at what you're going through right now as being forgotten, left behind, punished, crushed. No, no, no. It's building up a most holy glory for God. You may not see it now, but how many times can we look back on our previous trials and go, huh, yes, I saw what God was doing. But why is it that every time we have a present trial, we forget? 
We forget God's faithfulness. We forget what he did last time. And all of a sudden, we feel like we're on, on easy ground. You know, we're, we're shaken. But God allows these trials to keep coming. Why? Because he wants us to know that our, firm, our foundation is firm. We can stand on it. It will carry the weight that we need it to carry. God said, cast all your cares upon me. You see, when we stand firm in Christ, we rejoice. I'm sorry. We stand firm in faith. We stand firm together in community because we do need each other. We help each other grow, right? You know, when we were just sharing this week with our, uh, our life group, you know, on how precious it is for us to be able to sit with each other once a week, even if it's online, and we receive life from each other because, you know, sometimes it's all about the issue, right? You know, we're like, oh, right? It's all this stuff. But that's not the part that God is focusing on. Yes, he wants us to get that out there, but how we respond to each other is what's precious. Because what you begin to see in those, those circumstances of your life groups and, and the time that we spend in fellowship with one another is we actually witness the word of God and the spirit of God building each other up. Nowhere do I, have I ever experienced anybody going, well, shame on you for thinking that way, right? No. There's always this, this connection that we have with suffering. I've been there. I've gone through this. Even if we haven't gone through it, gone through it we know. We can say, man, I haven't gone through that, but I know this, this, this has got to be tough. But then we say the, the words of God. We remind ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we speak, right? Because you, when you're listening to somebody, when they're going through suffering... Already the Spirit is stirring up words inside of you because you want to help them. You want those words to get into their heart and say, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't cast your cares on something else. Cast it on Christ. Don't. He, will be, he will be faithful. He will get us through. And then picking up again in verse 9, it says here, For what thanks can we give to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice because of you before our God. This is this fellowship. This is this community that we have with each other that, that it, it, it's, it's amazing. And it brings life. If you're not in a life group, plug in. If you're afraid that people are going to judge you, let that fear be subsided because... Jesus is saying, you can trust in me. Yes, I mean, everybody going to be perfect? No, okay? You know, people are going to be people. But there's one thing that you can always trust in is that Jesus will always be true to you. And he will guide you through the process. As we keep praying most earnestly night and day that we may see your faces and may complete what is lacking in your faith. So again, when we stand firm in Christ, we rejoice in seeing others grow in Christ. We pray for and desire for fellowship and community with each other. We help each other grow in faith towards our wonderful God, our powerful God. And then our last set of verses. It says here, Now may our, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you.
And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another. And for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish, right? Foundation. Establish your hearts blameless and in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Church, also don't be deceived when we get troubled in our heart. We are blameless before God if we have placed our faith in Christ. Don't let the enemy ever pull that card on you again. You are blameless before Christ. You see, God alone is the one that causes our growth. He's the one who does it, right? Paul said, some water, some plant, but it is God who causes the growth. It's not done through sweat, but it's done through surrender. You know, I use, don't, don't confuse sweat with discipline. We discipline ourselves because we surrender, right? We go to life group, we go to church, we plug ourselves in because we surrender to the reality that we need it to grow. You see, this waiting though, right? You know, again, you know, Armin taught us how to wait, but it can be hard, it can feel long, it can feel distant. But waiting on God, yes, it is the hardest part. But unfortunately, it is also the most necessary. You see, both waiting for his return and waiting for him to change us. <laughs> in, the, in that course of time, many will be tempted. Remember Paul said earlier, do not, he was fearful that the, that the, uh, that the enemy may have tempted those, right? So that temptation may be there to give up on God before he brings the increase, before he comes back, before he builds us up in love for one another, before he builds us up in good works and holiness. Because again, you see, waiting tests and reveals, reveals the genuineness of our faith. So as we close, I want to close with these last two verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 13, not, not to be confused with the chapter we're in now, this is the next book of, of Thessalonians, but it says, but as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. And I would just like to add, don't grow weary in surrendering, even in the midst of the suffering, even in the midst of the trial. In fact, surrender the trial to him. He will always come through for you, no matter what the outcome may be, because he's always got something better in mind for each one of us. And then lastly, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says consider him. Don't consider your trials. Don't consider your weakness. Don't consider your flesh. Consider him. Why? Because we grow weary if we consider anything else. We grow tired. We, go, we grow discouraged when things happen in our lives that we weren't expecting. Some of those are going to be tough. Some of those are going to be much more serious to us than other things. You know, just as we grow, then God's glory grows in us and around us and through us. So with that, let's go ahead and pray. Amen. Father, we thank you that your word is sure.
It is a sure foundation through your Son, Jesus Christ, that no matter what we experience in this life, Lord God, we can make it through because you are with us. And church, if there's anybody here today, anybody online that maybe you've made something else your foundation, consider Christ. Put your thoughts back on him as your foundation. Don't let these current circumstances that we see in the world today or maybe even present in your specific lives as the final word. Because God has the final word. He said, put your trust in me. I will lift you up in the, at the right time. I will lift you up. Church, I know waiting is the hardest part. But consider him the foundation of who we are. Because when we live from that foundation, we will find life and we'll, we will find it more abundantly. And don't look at having joy and peace in the midst of suffering as any kind of weakness. It's not. It's the strength that God wants us to show the world around us. But I also want to address another group of people here this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have yet to make Jesus Christ your foundation, if you have not put your faith and your hope and your trust in him, then this morning, I just want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, then go ahead and lift up your hand. If you're online, just, you know, you know who you are. and We're going to pray together soon. If there's anybody here, just go ahead and slip up your hand just so I know who I'm praying with. Amen. All right. So let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, we, we thank you. I thank you, Father, that you lay down your life so that I can have life. I repent of my sin and my unbelief, and I turn to you for my salvation. I turn to you, Father God, as my foundation. And I turn away from this world. I turn away from the things that put a barrier between you and me. Your word says that it is sin that separates us from you, Father. And I repent of my sin. And I come before you in full faith and assurance that you will save me. And I thank you for Jesus who died for me on the cross and set me free from my sin. And I thank you and I ask for the Holy Spirit now to come in and indwell me so that I may walk in a manner that is worthy to you. And help me now to build on this foundation, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you did pray that prayer this morning and you're here with us today, just make your way over to the one-to-one -one table. We've got some material we'd like to share with you to continue your growth uh, with God in Christ. With that, be blessed. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time. Amen. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you.
Elevated, cause you make me move And I'm rising up with you 